Hummingbirds belong to the family Trochilidae, a family found only in the Americas. They are the third largest bird family, right after the tyrant flycatchers and tanagers. This family consists of 363 species in 112 genera. They occur as far north as Alaska and as far south as Tierra del Fuego, though the highest concentration can be found in Central and South America. Hello and welcome to the World of Birds podcast. I am your host, Kayla Fisk. This is a podcast featuring the great diversity found throughout the bird world, including unique behaviors, adaptations, habitats, and everything in between to help educate others and inspire action to help protect and conserve these amazing species. Hummingbirds' closest living relatives are swifts and the tree swifts, which they split from about 42 million years ago. They share a very similar body shape and habit of spending much of their time in the air. While looking and acting very similar to the old world sunbirds, a class of birds that's found in Africa and Australia, these groups are not related at all. Their similarities are due to convergent evolution to fill in the same niche. Overall, hummingbirds have small compact bodies with long thin wings. They have very short legs with three toes pointing forward and one backwards. Because of these short legs, they can perch but not really walk, which is fitting with their lifestyle of mainly flying from flower to flower. Their plumage comes in a wide variety of colors, including greens, blues, pinks, and purples. Their size ranges from the smallest, the little bee hummingbird at about two inches long and weighing only two grams, to the giant hummingbird that can reach up to 9.1 inches long and weighing up to 18 to 24 grams. This family has many unique specialized adaptations. Even their flight is unique. Not only can they fly forward, but they can also hover and go backwards. Their wing flapping rates can vary from 12 times a second all the way up to 80 per second in some of the smaller species. The humming sound created from their unique flight has given rise to their name. In some species, their tail feathers can even produce sounds during courtship displays. While hummingbirds may use that humming sound created from their flight style to communicate with others, they also use vocal communications. This usually involves a variety of buzzes, chirps, squeaks, and whistles. These communications can be used in a variety of ways, including defending territory and courtship. It might even be the case as seen in the blue-throated hummingbirds, that some species might have a singing pattern containing ultrasonic clicks that disrupt insects in flight, allowing for easier capture. Of the 363 species 
of hummingbird found worldwide, only 15 can be found regularly in North America, being seen in every state except Hawaii. Up to 25 different species have been documented, though, in North America. On the other hand, Colombia can boast an incredible 160 species, and Ecuador up to 130 unique species. Though, if you're like me and live east of the Rockies, you're for the most part going to have to be happy with just the ruby-throated hummingbird, because for the most part, that's all you're really going to see. Since most hummingbird species live in the tropics, most do not migrate, though some in North America do. The Rufus hummingbird is one of them, having one of the longest migration routes based on body size. This little bird, just about three inches long, migrates about 3,900 miles from Alaska to Mexico twice a year, which ends up equaling about 78,470,000 body lengths. It seems to be well known that hummingbirds have a fondness for the colors red, orange, and even pink. You'll see this reflected in most of the commercial hummingbird feeders on the market. While this may be true, they will feed from flowers of many different colors. Interestingly, while most birds see in a wide range of the color spectrum, including UV, hummingbirds only see near ultraviolet. This is because there tends to be a difference between insect-pollinated flowers and hummingbird-pollinated flowers. While insect-pollinated flowers produce colors into the UV spectrum, ones that are primarily hummingbird-pollinated do not. This smaller color array may make hummingbird flowers less appealing to insects, probably in an attempt to prevent insects from collecting their nectar. Another interesting thing to note is that hummingbird pollinated flowers also tend to have weaker nectar with a higher proportion of sucrose, where insect pollinated flowers nectar is strong with a higher fructose and glucose levels. Not surprisingly, hummingbirds have large eyes compared to the size of their heads. They rely on them to find nectar sources in a sea of foliage and green. On top of that, they have large corneas and cells that are used for visual processing and light perception. They also have evolved increased retinal neurons to be able to process and navigate in their environment. Something very important with their rapid and acrobatic flight style. A cool bit of information is that studies have shown that hummingbirds have some of the largest neuronal hypertrophy in any bird, meaning that they have some of the highest capability of visual processing, most likely due to their increased need of additional processing from their rapid flight, courtship, foraging style, and collision avoidance. Hummingbirds 
being nectarivores, also have an interesting connection with ornithophilous flowers. There is much display of coevolution between the two groups, including things such as bill shape, length, curvature, and even body size. This is extremely interesting when looking at hummingbird species, such as the sore-billed hummingbird and sicklebills, which co-evolved with a very small number of flower species from which they feed. Looking at the bee hummingbird, it may have even evolved its miniature size due to having to compete with larger and longer-billed hummingbirds, making it more beneficial to be small and just needing to compete against insects for flower sources. While generally birds don't have a good sense of taste, hummingbirds have evolved receptors allowing them to taste sweetness and carbohydrates. While they primarily consume nectar and get their required energy from them, nectar is lacking in several needed nutrients. To get these missing nutrients, Insects are included in their diet. Some of the preferred prey include a variety of flies, gnats, mosquitoes, and spiders. Since they have such high metabolisms, it can be dangerous in times when they can't get the needed energy to supply their high energy expenditure. To get around this and survive these times, they can go into a near hibernation-like state called torpor. When they enter torpor, their metabolic rate can sometimes drop to 1 15th of what it normally is. This can help them conserve energy during periods of cold weather or even at night. During this time, they'll go into a deep sleep. Their body temperatures can drop drastically along with their heart and breath rate. One hummingbird species has even had its temperature recorded to go as low as 38 degrees Fahrenheit in torpor. That is the lowest temperature of any bird or non-hibernating mammal ever recorded. All species are sexually dimorphic, with the males having distinct coloring, most specifically an ornamental gorget. This is the iridescent throat patch that often appears as different colors depending on the viewing angle due to the nanostructures of those feathers. Depending on the species, the larger of the sex can vary, though size isn't the only difference that is demonstrated between males and females. Bill size and shape can even vary. In some species groups, Females can have longer and more curved bills. This difference likely evolved due to constraints from the male's complex displays and possibly larger size. Larger curved bills may impede on the male's courtship displays. Their smaller size may also allow for them to conserve more energy, allowing them to spend more time in courtship. After courtship, Females will build a cup-shaped nest, sometimes as small as half of a walnut shell, out of various materials depending on the species. Typically, two small white eggs are laid, with a 14 to 23 day incubation period following. 
After hatching, they remain in the nest for an additional 18 to 22 days before finally fledging. Overall, unfortunately, most, many species in this family are in decline. Of the 363 hummingbird species, 9 are classified as critically endangered, 17 endangered, 10 vulnerable, and 19 species are near threatened. Some of the main threats include pesticides, window collisions, outdoor cats, habitat loss, and climate change affecting food availability. Though it is not all doom and gloom, the Anna's hummingbird has been having a population growth and is even expanding its range northward and residing year-round in some colder climates. Many of these threats faced by hummingbirds are easily preventable. There are many ways you can help protect your own local hummingbirds. Window clings and various other methods can help birds see through the reflective surface of many windows and can prevent many avian deaths. Pesticides, applied for so-called weeds and insects, both have very deadly effects on these flying jewels. Avoiding the use of these chemicals protects not only birds, but any living thing that will use the water source that these chemicals will eventually leach into. Some other fun ways of helping your local hummingbirds and other pollinators is making sure to landscape with native plants and creating a bird-friendly yard. I hope you enjoyed this little episode about hummingbirds and learned a few new things about these flying jewels. If you did enjoy this episode, please feel free to share it, leave a review, or follow this podcast on your favorite listening platform. And as always, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Kayla Fisk Birds. Thanks for listening, all you lovely bird nerds, and have a great day.